And we started a couple of weeks ago to talk about what, what our prayer lives can look like as followers of Jesus Christ. And we try to encourage you. And, and um, we came up, we've got this acronym that we shared with you. Listen, we didn't come up with this. This thing's at least, at least a couple of 300 years old that someone decided, hey, this is a way that you can, you can, can learn and, and memorize how to pray. And so we came up with this acrostic acts. Many of you have seen it, and if you've been here, you, you know we've talked about it. Acts, the, uh, the letters in Acts uh, stand for adoration, praising God, worshiping God, confession, um, you know, bringing our, our, confessing our sins to Him. We talked about that last week. Thanksgiving, which we're going to focus on a little bit today. And then that third, uh, that fourth letter, uh, the S, is supply. Uh, actually, most people use the word supplication, and that's a word you will find in your Bible, but it's probably not a word you use on a daily basis, so we've substituted supply for that. And so we want to help you, we want to encourage you when it comes to this, because we recognize that there are a lot of things in our life that we want to change, right? Um, some of you go, hey, listen, I'd love to lose some weight. But you know there's a challenge in losing weight, just like with anything else. You're here, and you, you want to be over here, but the, from there to, to here, that distance, that's the challenge. Or, or maybe it's not losing weight. Maybe you go, hey, listen, I look great. I was just admiring myself this morning in front of the mirror. Maybe for you it's something else, completing an education, buying a house. Uh, maybe it's, hey, listen, I, I, need, a, I need to get a car. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's, hey, listen, I'm going to run a marathon. Hey, that's not on my list. Could be on yours. But it's the same thing. I'm, I'm here. I want to be there. The challenge is, how do I get from here to there? And when it comes to our spiritual lives, we also, we go, you know what? I know where I am right now, and I know where I feel like God wants me to be. And between here and there, that's a bit of a challenge. And so we want to share one part of that with you today and encourage one part of that with you today in your prayer life. You see, one major step toward life change is having a consistent prayer life. A consistent prayer life will change your life. It will, it will begin to move you from where you are to where God wants you to be. Consistent prayer life does some things for you. It, it fosters a complete dependence upon God. When you really begin to pray, you recognize just how dependent you are on God. It's not just, hey, I can do this all myself. I can do it on my own strength. I can do it on my own wisdom. You begin to, to really rely on and trust in Him. That's what it does. The second thing, it grows your faith and your trust in God because you see, hey, listen, I'm not just throwing these things up there and hoping they stick. I've got a God who hears. I've got a God who cares. I've got a God who can respond. And, and the, it also allows you to see God at work in your life, in your family, in your church, in your community, and around the world. And so we want to encourage that. Grace Fellowship, if you've been here, you know that our, our mission statement says this, Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And part of that life change is to help you in your prayer life, to help you to grow in your prayer life. 
And if nothing else, my desire is that we, we are wetting your appetite for what could be. We're just, just priming the pump for you so that you go, you know what, I'm no longer content to be here if God is calling me there. And so we're, we're going to take a look at Thanksgiving this morning, and I'd ask you to join your hearts with me in prayer as we get ready to do that. Heavenly Father, we want to say thanks. Thanks for this privilege, this opportunity of coming together, of hearing your word, of gathering with other believers, of, of being able to worship you, Lord, in a country that allows us to do this without any repercussions. Lord, we thank you for the comfort of these cushioned chairs and a Bible that we can pick up or log into without any effort at all. We thank you, Lord, that there are people here who love us. They even know us and still love us. God, we've got so many reasons to be thankful. But today we want to focus on thanksgiving, on having a grateful heart and a thankful attitude. And Lord, we pray that today it'll move the needle a little bit for us. That we would no longer be content to be where we are. But Lord, stories like the story of this little church and in Kenya that might shake us down to our very core so that we might truly look at life look at you and be grateful we pray it in Jesus name amen if you got your Bibles I want to encourage you we're going to look uh, together at Ephesians chapter 5 just a few verses there there's a lot here Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 18 to 20. And again, with just, just so few verses, you think, what could be, what could be crammed into there? But, but God crammed a lot into here. So if you've got your Bibles, you can check that out for us. Ephesians, of course, is a book in the New Testament. Just keep going past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just keep going to the right. You'll, you'll get there. Um, it also should be printed in your handout. Uh, if you'll notice, there's the, the, um, the notes in your handout are actually the, they, they spill over from the outside sheet to the inside, so you can follow along with us there. And we'll put them up on the screen for you, so we hope that all this will be helpful. But let's hear what God has to say to us this morning in Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes here, and do not get drunk with wine. You didn't think that was going to be the first thing to pop out of my mouth, did you? And do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot to unpack here, and honestly, quite honestly, as I went through this, I'm going, man, that's an entire sermon there. But let me share with you four things to unpack this. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have some choices. And we can choose what it is that will influence us. And we look right here at the beginning of this, okay? Don't be, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, which is excess. Don't, don't, let, don't let wine, don't let anything like that control you, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be 
in control of your life. And so we choose really what will influence us. And it's not just alcohol, okay? There are lots of other things that you can have in your life that influence you and direct the course of your life. And so we need to understand that we have a choice. What is it that's going to influence the course of my life and my attitude in life? Secondly, we can choose how we will interact with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The encouragement here is to speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Listen, that doesn't necessarily mean that what we're doing is just every time we greet somebody, we just break out into song. Wouldn't that be awesome, though? Now, there are some people like Stacy Malone who does that. She just breaks out into song wherever she is. But for most of us, we don't do that. We're not just busting out into song every time we see each other. And basically, these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs are, are a melodic way of, of communicating the truth of God. And so when we speak to one another, we can choose how it is that we communicate with one another. And, and some of us are really good at encouraging and speaking truth and, and speaking life into other people. And then some of us are really bad at that. And the first thing that comes out of our mouth is always negative. Or it's, you know, we, we really need to be careful how it is that we communicate with our brothers and sisters in Christ. The third thing we see right here is that we can choose the attitude of our hearts. And he goes on in verse 19, make a melody to the Lord with your heart. We can choose the attitude of our heart. You are not just carried along on whatever winds and waves are coming along in your life, whatever circumstances are happening in your life. You can choose the attitude in your heart and you can choose to change it. Some of you sitting here today, that's exactly what you need to do. You know the attitude of your heart, and you know it's not the attitude that God wants you to have. You can change it. And then the fourth thing that we read here is that we can choose to be thankful to God. We can choose thanksgiving. We can choose gratitude. So many of us think that we are absolute victims of whatever's taking place in our lives. But this passage alone tells us of the choices that we can have. Billy Graham, most of you know Billy Graham. Billy Graham wrote, Nothing turns us into bitter, selfish, dissatisfied people more quickly than an ungrateful heart. And nothing will do more to restore contentment and the joy of our salvation than a true spirit of thankfulness. That simple email with that picture of that box of 10 Bibles. And then I look at this and think, oh, yeah, I need, to, I need to upgrade. Completely changed my attitude. One of the sure marks of a growing Christian is a heart of gratitude. You want to know that you're growing in your faith. There's some things the Bible tells us to look for. Love, for instance. But gratitude surely is one of those. As we recognize all that God has poured into our lives, we have grateful hearts. And so I want us to ask some questions this morning. Uh, well, let me change this. I want you to ask some questions this morning. Um, I've actually, these questions are, in, in, they're, they're made personal. So let's see these. The first question is this. This is for you and for me. Do I have a heart 
filled with gratitude? Simple question. That's kind of a yes or no, right? Or maybe you go, well, some days, yeah, some days, no. But, but think about your own life. Do you have a heart filled with gratitude? Another question that we can ask as we try to evaluate things is, do I complain frequently about my life and about my circumstances? Am I constantly complaining about my life? A third question to ask yourself is this, would my family and my close friends describe me as grateful? Hey, that's a little test you can do this week. Just go ask them. Am I a complainer or am I thankful? See what kind of answer you get. And a fourth question might be this, does the attitude of my heart change drastically when my circumstances change? You know, one day I'm on top of the world. The next day it feels like the world's on top of me. Does my attitude change? Am I still grateful? Or do I go through this cycle of on good days I'm, I'm thankful, on bad days I'm, I'm whining and complaining and moaning and groaning? Now, these aren't questions designed to make you feel guilty. I mean, you've been around me long enough, some of you. You, you know, my, my intent is not to make you feel guilty. But each of us would do well to stop frequently and to, and to kind of put a, a meter on our hearts just to see the gratitude level that we have. You know, I've got a couple of generations back, Apple Watch, and, and I like it. it. It does a lot for me. It helps me, and, and that's a good thing. The newer ones will actually kind of monitor your heart and if you have an arrhythmia or you have something like that taking place it will actually let you know that something is going on like that the holy spirit is that for us the holy spirit can 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 be that monitor that meter on our heart to remind us hey look at all that god has poured into your life are you thankful? Are you grateful? Are you appreciative? Or is it just never enough for you? Well, I want us to take a look together at a, a little passage. So just a few things in, in Luke chapter 17 I want to read. But um, this, is, this is such an awesome incident that happened in the, the life of Jesus. Luke chapter 17, verse Beginning with verse 11, it, it says this. On the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. That's the, the border between Samaria and Galilee. Samaritans, of course, you know, are the people we, uh, well, that the, the Jews didn't get along with at all. There was constant conflict, constant uh, hatred among them. And he entered a village, and he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? 
was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner. And he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Now, I want us to think about this for a little bit. I'm going to put this little image up on the, on the screen. Kind of gives you a little impression. That's actually, if you've ever, if you've ever been to Israel, you know that the, uh, the buildings up on the hills like that, that's, that's pretty normal, pretty natural. These rock outcroppings, so uh, the olive groves, that's, that's actually, this person's probably been there because they've kind of captured the scene pretty well. This is an incredible story. Um, it has to do with Jesus, but it also has to do with these 10 lepers. But they weren't born that way, okay? At some point in their lives, they became lepers. At some point in their lives, they began to notice that on their skin, these white patches were starting to show up. They began to notice that they were losing feeling in their fingertips and in their, their toes they begin to notice a, a burning or a painful sensation on various parts of their bodies, and they began to realize this ain't good. This is leprosy, and there was no cure. And that meant a lot of things in their lives were going to change. You see, because there was no cure for leprosy and because other people could get it, they would have to leave their home and family. Just, just think about that for a moment. You, you're married. You start to see these white spots. There's no cure. You know if you stay, your husband or your wife may get it. You have to leave. Maybe you've got kids at home. Maybe you've got grandkids. I mean, precious, uh, we had somebody dropped over our house the other day. Um, I was actually uh, taking a nap, and I heard the sound of a one-year-old. And I woke up, because I love kids. And so I got up, and I went in there and, and, you know, just, just to have a chance to see this kid. Can you imagine, those of you who got kids or grandkids, and you love to hold them, and, and just imagine, you got to go. You, you, can't, you can't hold that child anymore. You can't read a, put them in your lap and read a story to them anymore. you got to go. For the Jew, it was worse because that community was so close. And not only could they not be with their family and their friends, they couldn't go to synagogue. They couldn't go to temple. It was complete isolation from the rest of society. But it was true not only for Jews, it was true for non-Jews, for Gentiles, for Samaritans as well. And so these ten lepers. Now, I want you to notice something because what we read a little bit later in here is that, um, that one of them was a Samaritan, which means the other nine were very likely Jews. Now, here's the deal. I mentioned this earlier. Jews and Samaritans had absolutely nothing to do with one another. Jews didn't eat with Samaritans. Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. It was this dividing line between them, and they weren't supposed to do this. That's why when Jesus talks to the Samaritan woman at the well, uh, there's so many boundaries that Jesus crosses, including the fact that she was a woman, and then because she was a woman who was kind of had a loose morals, and then 
Then to make matters worse, she was a Samaritan. I mean, Jesus crossed all those things, and everybody was stunned and amazed that Jesus would do that because there's not this association. But, hey, listen, when they became lepers, the difference between Jew and Samaritan completely disappeared because what they had in common was leprosy. They were no longer Jews or Samaritans. They were lepers. And when people would get near, they would have to stand at a distance and warn people, don't get near me, unclean, unclean. And people would stay away. And so those, those old alliances were, were gone because the only thing they had in common was their leprosy and they needed one another for survival. And so they kind of had to leave those two tribes and and, and come and be a part of a new tribe, a tribe of, of outcasts, a tribe of lepers. And it says that Jesus is he's on the border between Samaria and Galilee. And these ten lepers, they are looking for Jesus. They find Jesus and, and they shout out, Jesus, Master, have pity or have mercy on me. And his instructions were, and this is kind of interesting, go and show yourself to the priests. He didn't say, okay, you're clean. I've healed you. Now he said, no, I want you to go and show yourselves to the priest. And they had enough faith that they left to go towards the priest, to go towards the synagogue, or uh, you probably wouldn't go to the temple because it had been a little far away, but to, to at least go to where a priest was. They began to leave, and it says that as they were on the way, that they were healed. As they were on the way, they began to to notice the spots are gone. The feeling has returned. And they looked at one another and they they pull up their sleeves and they open their their, their robes and they they say, "You're, you're well. You're clean. Now, at this point, something happens. Because for the Jews... They had a process they had to follow. In Deuteronomy chapter 14, you can go back and read it later if you want to, but for someone who had a skin disease that cleared up, there was a process. They had to go to the priest. They had to uh, get inspected by the priest. Once that was cleared up, there was a sacrifice that they had to do. They had to shave off all their hair, a number of things that they had to do. And once, but that, once that was completed, they could go back to their families. They could go back to their to work they could go back to their community they could go back to synagogue they could go back to temple they could go back to their normal lives but as soon as this group of 10 lepers became nine jews and one samaritan everything changed it says that the samaritan turned back and went to jesus it doesn't say that the other nine went back to Jesus because that's not what happened. They very likely went on to the priest. Why? Because they were eager to get on with their lives. They'd been suffering with this for so very, very long. Now they could return to their normal lives. All they had to do was get cleared by the priest to make the sacrifice. They could go back to their normal lives. The Samaritan goes back to Jesus 
And he finds him and he falls face down in front of him. And he gives him praise. And Jesus says to him, rise, go, your faith has made you well. It's kind of interesting that phrase, made you well, is also the word for saved. Your faith has saved you. And I don't want to go too far with this. It may simply have been saved from the leprosy, but I think there may be more to it than that. You see, nine lepers found healing and returned to their old lives, but one leper found Jesus, and his life was never the same. And that's the story. You see, this one Samaritan, this one Samaritan came back not only because of what Jesus had done for him, but because whom he believed Jesus to be. Now, wonderful story, isn't it? You go, man, you know what? If, if I were healed from leprosy, I'd have done the same thing. I'd have, just been, I'd have been so grateful, so thankful. But are we thankful just for what we get from Jesus? Are we thankful just for the stuff that comes our way? Is it possible that we could be thankful even if nothing changes? I want us to wrestle with this just a a little bit this morning. What if your circumstances remain the same? What if nothing changes? I want to let you know, and I believe this with all my heart, and some of you do too because you've discovered this, but if nothing else changes, a relationship with Jesus changes everything. I want you to hear me. If nothing else changes, if circumstances don't change, even so, a relationship with Jesus changes everything. When we know beyond any doubt that we have a new life in Jesus and a hope that cannot die, we can be grateful whatever situation we find ourselves in. Listen, think about this. We have not just been given stuff by Jesus. We've been given eternal life by Jesus. We've been forgiven all of our sins by Jesus. Our names have been written into a lamb, into the Lamb's Book of Life because of Jesus. And so what if the moron never turns and I have to ride behind him for five miles? Can I still be thankful? Well, yes, but listen, that's a small thing. I have a chance a lot of times to to kind of connect with some of you, and I realize that some of y'all carry some pretty heavy stuff. And you're dealing with some really rough family situations, really rough financial situations, really rough relationship stuff. And yet, we've got this call from God to be thankful whatever our circumstances are. How can we do that? 
We can only do that if Romans 8.28 is actually real for us. If we really believe that in all things God is working everything, good, bad, otherwise, together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That's the only way that we can be thankful regardless of our circumstances. That kind of security and peace, it frees us up to be thankful. Our gratitude, just like our joy, is not carried along by the winds of the circumstances of our lives. Our gratitude is anchored in the peace that we have with God through Jesus Christ. It's anchored. And so Paul could write to the church in Colossae, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And so, hey, let me wrap this up for us. What is it that you and I have that we can give thanks for? For what should we give thanks? Let me just give you a run-in list real quick. The first thing I think we understand is material blessings from God. We recognize the things that we have in our lives materially good. Some of you, God has blessed really, really well materially. You can be thankful for those things. Uh, this morning, I, you know, I woke up early. Uh, but I woke up, I was thinking, man, it is, I'm so hot. What in the world's going on here? That, um, you know, I'm not having hot flashes, but something ain't right. And humidity, whatever it is. But then I stopped and I'm going, man, this is miserable. But I'm in a bed. I'm in a house. And it completely changed my attitude. And so the material things that we have, the people in your life, the people that God has placed in your life, there's a reason to give thanks for the people that God has interwoven into your lives. For the circumstances in your life. Now I realize not all the circumstances are good, and that's why James tells us in James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And he goes on. Hey, listen, even the, the bad stuff in your life, God can make a, something good out of it. Many of you, you have, that, you have that testimony. That's the testimony of your life, that what people intended for evil, God meant for good. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul writes, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you this is God's will for you that you give thanks in all circumstances we can give thanks for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life that we have this security in Christ we can give thanks for God's continuing presence in our lives that he said I will never leave you and never forsake you. And no matter how dark and long the valley is, God has promised to be with you. We can give thanks for God's promise of life with him forever. One of the hardest things as a pastor that I have to do is to meet people at the point of death. And to walk a family through the separation that death brings. And the only comfort I have for them at the death of a believer is this. We do not grieve as those who have 
no hope. We have hope. We have a promise of eternal life promised to us in Jesus Christ. Now that little list that you have right there, if you ever get to the point in your life where you cease to become grateful, where that meter of your gratitude in your heart begins to sink, just go to this little list. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. So whatever my circumstances, whatever my challenges, whatever my struggles, I can be content, satisfied, and at peace, and therefore I can be grateful. I want to close this with a testimony that I have written. It's not poetic. It's not lyrical. But I believe it with all my heart. I have a Savior who not only gives me life in heaven, but who gives me life, hope, peace, and strength enough for each and every day. I am never alone. I may be at my rope's end, but God's hands are underneath me to catch me if I fall. When I'm weak, he is strong. When I'm stumbling through the darkness, he is my light. When troubles come my way, he is my shield and my fortress. He gives me what no person can take away, and he takes away from me what I couldn't get rid of on my own. That is the sin that surely would have damned me. I have a God who loves me, a Savior who died for me. I have God's Spirit that indwells me and empowers me. I have God's people who accept me and love me. I have God's mission that he has entrusted to me. Regardless of my circumstances, I can be thankful. And this morning, I invite you to join me in that gratitude to join me in thanksgiving for the one who made you who through Jesus Christ saves you and who dearly 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 loves you let's pray God thank you Not just for the stuff. You've been awfully generous with that. But for the people and the circumstances. For the gift of your son. For the abiding presence you have with us. And for the promise of life even when this one's over. Life with you forever. Lord, many of us could echo that thanks and perhaps should even today just come to you and bow to you just as a, the healed Samaritan leper did and just come face down and say, thank you. And God, forgive me for those times when I take all this for granted. Today, I want to stop doing that. I want to 
move from where I am to where you want me to be. I want to be a grateful person. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with that right now, who tend to complain, who tend to whine, who tend to look at the glass not only being half full, but also chipped and broken. God, could you change us? Could you make us into grateful people so that people around us might know that you really do make a difference? And Lord, I pray for those who may not have that hope, that assurance, that confidence of life in Christ and life forever with you. Lord, if there's even one person here today who does not know your son is Savior, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you might draw that person to yourself, that they may come to know you and to know you love them and to know you gave your son for them. And Lord, that they might in gratitude come and receive this gift of grace. Lord, if there are those who recognize that being a part of a a church is something for which they need to be grateful and Maybe today they're even ready to step forward and say, this this is it. We're ready to unite with this body of believers. Lord, I pray that today might be their day. Lord, I know on every heart you're calling us to move from where we are to where you want us to be. Today, Lord, some of us are ready to move. And so, Lord, we thank you for the motivation of your spirit in us even now. Move us, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name.